Welcome to another Infographic Instant Conference presentation. In this presentation, we're going to be looking at the relationship between competition law and small and medium enterprise development. We talk about Brunei only as a specific example in this presentation so that we don't become too abstract. However, the principles can apply to any country. Moreover, the materials that we present are in the public domain. However, it doesn't imply that I necessarily own what I'm showing you now. Moreover, the opinions expressed in this presentation represent my own and not necessarily those of any institutions I'm affiliated with or co-authors that might have contributed other parts to this paper. So what do we know about competition law and small and medium enterprises or SMEs? Figure 1 shows roughly the size of these SMEs per 1,000 people or per mill. The U.S. has the highest proportion among the economies shown of not only SMEs but also micro-enterprises. We see that relatively more economically liberal jurisdictions tend to have more small and medium enterprises such as Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore. Yet we see such development even in places where businesses are considered to be more integrated such as in Korea, China, and other places even such as Malaysia. From these data we see that Brunei as our specific example lies relatively far down the list at roughly 22-23 micro small medium enterprises per mill even though these SMEs represent a relatively small fraction of the population, they nonetheless constitute a very important part of employment in most of these jurisdictions. So if in the U.S. employment in small and medium enterprises constitutes roughly 25% of such employment, then in Brunei it's 60%. Thus clearly, SME law and SME performance is important for a whole range of issues in the macroeconomy. Most importantly, employment, returns to labor, incomes, and so forth. We find that if Brunei, as our specific example, were to change its competition policy in a way to grow its SMEs, then it would add roughly 5 billion US dollars per year to its GDP, something not negligible considering that most of its GDP is accounted for by hydrocarbons and oil. If SMEs and their development is so important to so many jurisdictions, then policymakers often see SME development as the motor for growth in the entire economy. Figure 4 shows the quality of the policies affecting SMEs in the jurisdictions shown in this infographic. Thus we see that policies affecting SME development in Singapore, Malaysia, are relatively highly ranked, whereas in for places like Brunei, lags behind several of its contemporaries. Thus common sense might lead us to think that, well, if only SME policy was made better, that would help promote economic growth in general. Figure 2 shows the way that competition in general has changed in these economies. Economists, as a matter of faith and doctrine, tend to believe that more competition tends to lead to growth. 
Figure 2 shows the extent to which competition has changed in the jurisdictions you see in front of you. Thus, looking at the World Economic Forum's indicator proxy of the extent of competition in these jurisdictions, we see that Russia has made the largest gains in terms of improving competition within its borders. We see that Brunei has also taken very large steps in roughly from 2011 to 2015 in order to increase the extent of competition, whereas in we see in other places such as Vietnam and China, relatively little action has been taken or people perceive that the results of this action have been relatively minor in terms of increasing competition. The black boxes above each of these bars show the absolute value rather than the change which is shown in the, the bars themselves. Thus we see out of a value of 6, Brunei actually has the highest value of competition, suggesting that not only have the Bruneian authorities been improving the extent of their competition law, but this competition law is actually working to improve competition within the Sultanate. Nevertheless, stepping back and putting Brunei in a wider context, we see that Brunei's competition policy has a long ways to go before it reaches the level of highly competitive economies. Figure 13 shows a competition scope indicator, which you can find out more about in our paper. If New Zealand, Singapore, and the US have some of the widest range of competition within their economies, Places like the Philippines and Brunei have almost microscopic amounts compared to these large competitive jurisdictions. Thus, while we've seen that Brunei scores relatively well compared to lesser developed countries, Brunei's competition law and policy has a long ways to go at catching up with other high-income economies. Moreover, as we show in figure 16, without some kind of big bang competition policy, if Brunei continues with its piecemeal reforms, simply adjusting at the margin its competition laws and policies, then we won't see Brunei catching up very quickly to places like Singapore and the US, which we saw in the last infographic, and figure 16 shows the correlation between competition indicator and the extent of exports, which might signal the competitiveness of a particular economy. In theory, we would assume that more competitive jurisdictions would have higher levels of exports, particularly if such competitiveness was vis-a-vis -vis other countries most countries that we looked at in terms of Brunei's peer group tend to have middling levels of competition and middling levels of exports. Thus, if Brunei wants to stand out from the pack, they're going to have to do a lot more in terms of increasing their competition. Now let's look more specifically at the black letter law governing competition in the Sultanate. Figure 5 shows some of the substantive articles from the competition order in Brunei. We've divided the order into substantive issues and procedural issues. 
and each column shows not only the issue addressed, but the importance of that issue and the likely impact of this competition order on the Bruneian economy. For substantive issues like the Competition Commission's independence, this will represent a key determinant of the success of competition policy in Brunei. We'll show data later analyzing the extent to which competition agency independence helps promote the competitiveness of an economy. And given Brunei's economic structure, particularly in terms of certain dominant companies, that tackling the dominant position in the Brunei economy will be a very important step toward promoting competition. Later in this presentation, we look at procedures and the procedural efficiency of competition agencies, and thus we look at the importance of the orders or procedures in the competition order in terms of setting up procedures which will help this agency to safeguard competition both within Brunei and between other countries. The order naturally will have relatively minor impacts on procedures, which anyway in most jurisdictions are covered by internal rulemaking. Nevertheless, there are significant differences not only in the substantive issues, but also in the procedural issues, which will hinder the competition order unless there's this kind of big bang change which we've discussed in a previous infographic. Now, I mentioned briefly the role of an independent competition agency. In Bruneian jurisprudence and in its political system more generally, independence is less important than in other economies with a Anglo-Saxon or neoliberal tradition. Thus, automatically militating for the independence of such a commission or agency would seem to run counter with the general jurisprudence and institutional setup in the Sultanate. Yet, there's cause for hope, as Figure 6 shows, independence of a competition agency tends to increase over time. The figure shows an independence index, where higher means more independent, if the US, Australia, and Mexico have relatively independent competition agencies, it's not the case that they were born this way and became independent immediately. In another study looking at Malaysia, which you can find a link to in this presentation, we show that it takes almost 75 years for a competition commission to reach its full effectiveness. Thus, the Bruneian competition order is very new, Naturally, we can't just draw a line between the competitiveness of a country and the independence of its competition agency because there's a bunch of factors which interfere with this relationship. Figure 7 shows one of these econometric analyses which try and look at the factors contributing to a competition authority's effectiveness. Their econometric analysis shows that de facto independence, not just being independent on paper, but actually being independent, has the largest effect on a competition agency's effectiveness. And you can see the paper for the more exact definition of such effectiveness. We see that taking an economic approach to competition issues rather than simply a legal one also helps promote the effectiveness of the agency. 
and we see that factors which supposedly should be important, such as the level of income in the country, or even the basis for the competition law, have little effect and indeed might have a negative effect on the competition agency's ability to promote competition within a particular jurisdiction. So what causes a competition agency to be more or less effective? As we said previously, there's so many factors that can get in the way of our understanding of the relationship between a competition agency, a competition, and overall growth in the economy. To help us out, we show in Figure 12 a model of competition which we use in order to construct some of our cost-benefit analyses later. So starting with the extent of competition in a jurisdiction, we naturally see that competition affects output not only of big companies but SMEs, and of course if it affects output it also affects price and thus revenue. These differential impacts thus have four effects which we look at in our overall analysis. On the one hand, more competition, particularly amongst large companies, can result in destructive competition whereby consumers or even producers just substitute one good for another good and ultimately leads to higher prices as dominance becomes a more important issue. The costs of competition policy might actually exceed the benefits of making more competition. The second possible effect is that there's substitution in goods and services, but this lowers prices rather than raises prices. This is the usual effect that economists like to point to when increasing competition in a jurisdiction. Naturally, lower prices can benefit consumers and thus hopefully everyone else in the economy. Yet we know that competition amongst goods and services and the prices of those goods and services does not an economy make. Without looking at the important role of innovation, it's almost impossible to know the extent to which goods are competitive or even desirable to consumers. And thus, the last two channels that we look at are the extent of innovation in markets and the extent to which that innovation helps to lower prices. If a competition law helps promote such innovation, then the benefits of such a law naturally exceed the costs. Yet, if innovation makes higher prices, then we assume that higher prices reflect higher values and innovation with raising prices would result in the highest amount of welfare increase. So how does a competition authority affect innovation in its particular jurisdiction? Just as we talked before about econometric analysis and the problem of other variables getting in the way, figure 8 shows another one of these econometric analyses looking at the way competition authority behavior might help or hurt innovation while it's trying to help or hurt competition. The extent of the competition authority's enforcement behavior increases with unemployment, increases with government spending and household income. This suggests that competition authorities, rather than simply doing their job of trying to promote competition, in fact use competition law and policy as a tool of macroeconomic policy. Namely, when there's higher rates of unemployment in a country, then the competition authority will 
increase its effort in order to make the economy more efficient, thereby increasing overall output, employment, and so forth. The extent to which political factors enter into the competition authority's decision can only be a bad thing. Now remember we said that competition policy only helps a country if an economy is becoming more competitive without becoming more innovative, then you'll probably have destructive competition and an increase in concentration. Figure 17 shows the estimated impact of increases in competition if Brunei follows its peer group in terms of increasing the extent of competition within its borders, and we look at that relationship with the innovativeness of these various jurisdictions. Unsurprising is an overall positive relationship between the extent of competition and the extent of innovation in an economy. Naturally, we cannot know, and we do not even try to answer in this paper, the extent to which competition causes innovation or innovation causes competition, only to say that competition without innovation will more likely hurt than help. Figure 18 shows the extent of productivity in Brunei vis-a-vis -vis other jurisdictions. In places like uh, Singapore, even Malaysia, increases in competition have helped lead to overall economic growth because we've seen large investments in innovativeness and thus productivity. Whereas in other jurisdictions that have simply tried to rely on cost advantages, such as Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, we've seen productivity relatively lagging, and thus any attempt to impose or share best practices in competition law and policy will probably end up hurting producers in those jurisdictions rather than helping them. And indeed, as figure 19 shows, Brunei is likely to lose at least 100 million US dollars from its competition order in the short run without concomitant changes in innovation in the Sultanate. The figure arrives at these estimates using the model we presented earlier in more innovative jurisdictions such as Singapore, New Zealand, even Hong Kong. Competition law will likely lead to large benefits. Vietnam is an interesting case because even though we saw that increased competition has not been met with increased innovativeness and thus productivity, it is likely from our model that the overall effect of increasing competition will more than outweigh the drag caused by lack of innovation. Thus, an economy is always balancing on both hands the effect of competition and the effect of innovativeness. For jurisdictions like Brunei, they're likely to lose money from competition order simply because increased competition has not in the past and probably will not lead to increased innovativeness without strong policy measures. Increased competition will probably continue to hurt Japan, just as it has done in the past. If most scholars of international development have attributed Japan's previous success to its kiretsu, the former zaibatsu, those financial industrial groups that are highly organized and have helped to make Japanese firms more innovative, then we see with the dismantling of these types of innovation and productivity relationships, we see an, an overall drag on economic growth caused by increasing competition. 
So if figure 19 showed the impact simply of competition, what about the impact of increasing innovativeness? Figure 20 shows the economic impacts of changes in innovation policy as we've seen them in Brunei's peer group across the Asia-Pacific region. Jurisdictions such as Singapore, which can increase their innovativeness by 1% or 1 point in econometric analysis, we expect to see a relatively large economic benefit, in this case almost 20 billion US dollars, whereas in, in other jurisdictions like Indonesia and the Philippines, if the future represents past trends, that increasing innovativeness would actually lead to economic harms, mostly through the costs of implementing such innovativeness and problems with adoption. We've seen in the past that attempts by both of these governments to increase innovation in these economies have generally correlated with decreases in GDP controlling for other factors, and thus the policy trick, the law drafting trick, is to figure out how to write a competition law in such a way that it will change this historical relationship, it won't continue to negatively impact on economies like in the case of Vietnam in the Philippines, but actually help them to grow faster, such as in the case of Singapore and Hong Kong. Now, we don't show the specific case of Brunei, but if we use the same kind of regression analyses we've used for these other jurisdictions, then Brunei is somewhere roughly between Hong Kong and Malaysia, not just geographically, of course, but in terms of these overall impacts. Thus, again, stepping back and repeating the overall scheme of competition law can affect an economy through innovation. Thus, if Brunei wants its competition order to succeed, the best competition law is not one that necessarily focuses on competition, but focuses on making companies more innovative and productive. This has been another Infographic Instant with Brian Michaels.